evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 112 of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast, hurtling like a comet towards League One. Tonight, I'm Chris, and I'm joined by, as always, my colleague, friend, and combatant, Will. How you doing, mate? I'm not too bad, thank you, Chris. Are you? Oh, terrific. Absolutely terrific. Thanks, mate. Uh, making his debut tonight on the pod, we have Simon. Simon, good evening, mate. Hi, mate. How you doing? Ah, oh, spiffing. Absolutely spiffing. <laughs> We're also joined by uh, Mark Hiles from the Bolton News. Mark, good evening. Good evening. How are you, folks? We're doing just fine. All the better for your appearance, obviously. So, it's been a week uh, since we last spoke. Um, granted, we had a, a game in midweek. We'll come to that shortly. But, crikey, a, a fairly quiet week in the world of Bolton Wanderers with not really a great deal going on in terms of positive movements. That said, we do have something to talk about for pretty much every single day in the week. So, maybe been a little bit hasty there. Uh, so, firstly, just a bit of housekeeping. Say thanks to Ben and for Tommy for their appearances last week on the pod. Commiserations to Ben. Obviously, Ipswich's relegation was confirmed on Saturday um, with our no doubts to swiftly follow. Uh, we'll see them next season. Um, and after tonight, you'll see me next season too because I'm going to be oldies, sod you lot, sod Bolton Wanderers, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy myself. So, <laughs> with that in mind, let's crack on. Monday, Will, tell us about this embargo business. Right, so I think it was announced at the back end of last week uh, and it sort of said that we were at risk of entering an embargo which I think was two windows long, did mention it on the previous podcast and I'm not unsure, not totally sure whether or not that's in place. I mean, Mark, I know you wrote a, a story on it and obviously there's been no official um, communication but I, I, I just wondered if you could sort of enlighten us on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it won't come as any surprise that the EFL haven't uh, given any, any official confirmation because they don't seem to do official confirmations of these sort of things. Uh, but the understanding is that uh, you get 30 days um, in of uh, football creditors' debt um, in a 12-month period, uh, and it's all written down in the in the, the dryers anything uh, EFL rules. So you can you can check this out yourself. But you get this 30 days, and 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 to the best of, of my own maths, it looked like uh, you know they were getting quite close last week. And now, as I understand it, it got brought up at the meeting. Um, between the, the players and the PFA on Thursday. Um, and it looks as if it, it could be smoothed over by the PFA, whether or not they have to withdraw a complaint or whether or not they, they don't file a complaint. I, I'm not entirely sure about that. But basically, it, it seems like there's been a bit of an ultimatum from Ken Anderson is, is that they'll apply for the court order to, to get the funds moved and get everybody paid just so long as this... Uh, this PFA letter doesn't go in and, you know, the, the embargo get imposed because it will harm the chances of selling the club. I'm sure I can imagine. So th- so we're pretty sure that it, it's obviously a, a threat that we're still under, but we know at the minute we're capable we of escaping yeah. it. Yeah, I, it's just, just a case of, you know, how exactly how many days, whether or not it's working days, whether or not, you know, whether it's the, the number of days that the, uh, the, the PFA, um, you know, deem it that their, their members are owed money. It, it's all, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult to ascertain that. We just know that it's it's something that's now being used um, as a bit of a, uh, a political football between the players and the, the owner, Ken Anderson. Perfect. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okie dokie. So we'll see whether anything comes of that over the next few days. Um, so to move on to Tuesday then, obviously Middlesbrough at home, um, a game attended by maybe six or 7,000 Bolton fans at the absolute most. Uh, Simon, to come to you first, to put you right on the spot there, did you expect anything other than a loss come Tuesday? 
Uh, no, honestly, I never expect anything other than a loss at any point now. <laughs> no, absolutely. I know Borough were going in there with on particularly poor form. Um, but did you think that Wanderers' revival against QPR, granted it was followed by an immediate capitulation against Ipswich, but surely you'd have thought that the, the lads had, had put up a bit more of a fight than they possibly did? I would have hoped so, but like you said, after what happened against QPR, obviously we lost to Ipswich, and then similar to how you know it was a bit of a false dawn after the Millwall game as well, and we went and lost afterwards. Mm. So, mm. Bora, uh, obviously we're on a bad run of form, but you have to be on a pretty horrendous day, I think, to get beat by us nowadays. <laughs> Even to score a goal, it seems. Yeah, I mean, we had some decent uh, will to come on to you next. We had a decent look at the statistics on there, to be honest. We had 13 shots. We had 57% of the possession. We, we outpassed them by over 100 passes, uh, the accuracy of which were, was higher as well. Mm-hmm. We still weren't in the game, really. I mean, the, the only shot yeah. we had came in the, in the dying embers of the game. What was your opinion of the match? I was going to say that, that that's news to me. All those stats, I would have thought we were we were nowhere near. You know, even even mm-hmm. even with them in in that respect. But um, yeah, obviously it, it wasn't the best of of, of displays nor results. Uh, like Simon said, it's probably not nothing that anyone expected any, any more than. Um, obviously, knowing that Middlesbrough hadn't been on the best of form, there was a slight glimmer of hope. Of, you know, a possibility that we might even get a point from it, but then obviously that that was soon dashed. I think it was within. Yeah. I don't know how many of the opening minutes that they, that they got the first one, but uh, it, it obviously wasn't the uh, the best of matches to to watch. And I'm pretty sure that that announced uh, twelve or thirteen thousand attendance was uh, was absolutely nowhere near what it actually was. I think I was told it was somewhere between five and six thousand uh, recorded mm, on, on the night. Like, so yeah. I, th- I think it's getting just, away on. The fans talking with a feet on there, I guess, and and, and it, it's showing now. Most definitely, some of the pictures that you could see of uh, I saw after the game of people on social media posted at kick off. It, it was horrendous. I mean, getting away in the car park told its own story, stopping even right to the end. You know, it was like like you leave five minutes before you could get all, <laughs> get away, no problems. Um, but Mark, a question to you about the three centre backs. Um, I've never liked this <laughs> one. Just I don't know why. I seem to have a bit of a bad feeling about it. But Wilson, Weeter, and Beavers. Played as centre halves with Olkowski and, and Noon. I mean, granted, Middlesbrough played uh, without too much with themselves. I know they had Fletcher and Housen coming out from the uh, from either flank. But how do you uh, how do you approach playing three centre backs with the personnel that we've got? Do you think it's sensible? Uh, it's difficult. I think Wooter does okay in in the three with three centre halves. I think he quite yeah, I agree. enjoys playing with somebody either side of him. Means doesn't necessarily have to do too much turning and running. Um, that's not a slight on weights. I'm just saying that's 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 where he plays best. I think he's quite a decent organizer. But uh, I'm with you guys in in terms of it worries me because I just don't think there's enough pace there at the back, um, and and they do tend to have problems. You know, Beavers uh, he, he's better when you know he's just trying to head, head and kick the ball away. Really, quite a, you know a, a straightforward defender, isn't he? And, and Wilson hasn't done a lot for me at all this season. Really, um, I don't quite know. No. Um, you know what what his strength is really because we're just not seeing the best of him at all really so um, yeah uh, it it does worry me that three centre halves obviously you have to play it you know you have, you have to have the you have to have that string to your bow nowadays um, but you know people have a have a crack at Parkinson for the lack of tactical flexibility and the truth is that it really hasn't got a a team that can play anything other than that four two three one. Yeah, and that's the rub, isn't it? It's all well and good wanting him to try all these fancy formations, but 
you're still trying to put a put a plaster over a pretty open wound in that respect. There's no uh, there's no real flexibility in terms of what the players can achieve. So Middlesbrough, it was what it was. Um, another home defeat and and yet another poor performance, unfortunately, from the lads. I agree with you about Weeter. I thought he read the game pretty well. Um, but it was obvious on the counter attack every single time they went forward that uh, that we were at, we were at risk, and it proved to be so. So. Moving on to Wednesday, doing all right here. So there's our thought on Wednesday. Well, you can maybe correct me on this that that Ken, that might have been Ken's final day in the job, given on uh, the the share issue as well that was being promoted. Yeah, it was between Tuesday and Wednesday, I think, and then it, it seemed to add up. I think with basically what it said back in February, and I know that was subject to a, a deal being agreed as well. Uh, but I think based on the fact that he'd agreed to sell his shares back in February, it then meant that it was either Tuesday or Wednesday this week just gone that. That was his final period. I, I don't know if I've just made that up or dreamt it or whatever, but it seemed like it, it fit the fit the bill anyway. And then, obviously, with communication being being an issue with Ken at the minute, um, and and seemingly nobody really being able to get hold of him. I think Mark, you reported that, um, and and just it it seemed possible that that is what had happened. Obviously, I can't say for definite. I'm not clued up in that respect, but. Um, and it, it, obviously, the rumours then started of whether or not the Davises are now, you know, taking charge of proceedings, or what what sort of the future of the club's going to look like. Obviously, with with sort of rumours starting at a sparking of uh, liquidation proceedings being being started as well. I'm not sure where whether all that's come from, but it seems to seems to be a, a, a pretty respectable theory at, at the very least. There's a lot of theories out there. There's a lot of uh, detective work being done, and. and... If, if I'm being honest, a lot of it is absolute rubbish. Mm. It really is. Some of the, some of the stuff that's getting thrown around on social media at the minute, um, you know, speaking to the actual people involved, not not people on message boards, not Facebook people that you know come up with these theories. Um, you know, they they're just kind of shaking their head and, and wondering what I'm on about half the time because uh, uh, I think people are, are, are trying too hard to solve the puzzle. If you know what I mean? Uh, I I. I We've we've approached Ed Davis's family uh, um, to for, for comment on on whether they sold the shares. They haven't they haven't made a comment, so I, I can't say for definite that uh, they they are or aren't um, looking to do that sort of deal uh, because they're not talking. Um, Michael James ditto, not making any statements. Brett Walton ditto, no no statements. Probably that's one of the major problems at the moment in that everybody that's got a vested interest. He's not saying anything. Ken only says things through the, the website, which doesn't really lend itself to any degree of scrutiny. Um, so we're all kind of in the same boat, trying to uh, trying to analyse little shards of information that come out. Um, and uh, and unfortunately, it's such a, a complex uh, situation that I think it, it lends itself to, to a lot of uh, conspiracy theories and, and, and people preying on that, really. And, and trying to make themselves uh, sound um, a bit intelligent, <laughs> a bit like <laughs> it's something we all strive for, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving so moving forward, then not really having anything, any sort of clarity on that situation. Hopefully, that'll come soon. What did become clear was the club taking a bit of a funny, ta- a funny turn in, in asking fans to book their coach journey, cho- coach travel. Beg your pardon, direct with Tyra's. Um Mark. I'll, I'll stick with you on this particular one. I've never known that happen in, before. Um, uh, do you maybe know anything, any sort of background as to why that's come about? A one just no longer to be 
trusted to pass the money on? Is it? Is it? I just don't know what the situation is. It's weird. Well, my understanding is actually, I mean, it, it was actually Wanderer's idea in a, in a, in a way. Um, they've got frozen accounts. There's no there's no question. So if uh, fans pay money into uh, where they normally would do for the for the travel, it would have basically just gone down a hole and and not, right. not been able to be reclaimed. So what what um, the people that do the travel, like people like Andrew Dean etc., have done said Tyra as well, listen, you you guys do it. Now, obviously, Tyra's our own money. There's no question about that. Um, but I think by the sounds of things, you know, they've said that we want one of the commitment. We want to stand by Wanderers. We don't want to kind of take a ball home and, and just leave fans not be able to get to games. Um, so they have taken that aboard themselves and uh, and, and run, the, run the coaches still. So I think they, they deserve a bit of credit for that, to be fair. Yeah. Very easy for them to just say, nah, sorry, you know, you, you owe us money and we'll just join the growing, growing band of, uh, of creditors, you know. Oh, that sounds perfectly sensible. That, that explanation makes perfect sense to me. OK, brilliant. Well, next issue, Bassini, our friend Bassini was on TalkSport. Uh, and again, Mark, I'll stick with you on this particular one. He was spouting off on all sorts of topics, perhaps not as confidently as he did first time round. I mean, he seems to find a lot of time to talk to his mate Jim White when he should perhaps be working on more important things like getting the deal done. Um, but that was swiftly followed on by the announcement of the Supporters Trust meeting, which is going to be held tomorrow at the club. Um, perhaps you could just give us a little bit of information on, on both of those topics, if you don't mind, just to just to inform fans as to, as to what's what. I know from my own point of view, the Bassini just appears to be a whole ton of hot air. Um, and I'm hopeful that the Supporters Trust meeting won't end up going the same way. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said it a few times on Twitter now. It does, does worry me when people, you know, make these grandiose gestures and do these these interviews about how close they are because inevitably they they're not that close. And I think Bassini a couple of weeks ago said he was, you know, within days, and now it's been dialed down to I'm hopeful, um, and and you know I'm not dealing with Ken Anderson. I'm dealing with his his, his advisors. So it it seems like he's. Um, still in the race. I think we've heard from Sean Harvey today as well. Sean Harvey said that that the CD is, you know, ha- has been speaking to the league. He hasn't taken a, a fit and proper persons test, which again raises a little bit of an alarm bell in my ears. Um, so, yeah, I would like him to do a bit less talking and a bit more buying. I've got no, mm. I, 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 I can appreciate the concerns that everybody's got about his business background, but from my point of view is. If, if somebody comes in and starts paying the bills on time, I think everybody would give him the benefit of the doubt, or most people would give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but there is just, you know, the old spider sense is tingling that, that because he's gone shouting it from the rooftops from, you know, quite far out, that it, he's not necessarily the closest um, to getting mm. it sorted. Um, you know, if... if if that were the case, it had been done by now, and he certainly would have taken the proper person's test. So, um, but the supporters trust, um, the supporters trust, are speaking to Sean Harvey tomorrow, uh, Monday lunchtime, and I think they're going to be giving an update at their meeting on Monday, seven thirty at the Platinum Suites. Um, there's a few people there, like from the council and, and from. Uh, couple of ex-players and, and, and that sort of stuff, all, all kind of gearing up to, to have a bit of a chat and, and try and bring up some some updates. So it might be worth attending and, and, and we'll be running a live blog for those that can't. So um, I think it sounds as if we're getting to the stage now where only the serious players are left at the table. Um, and Bassini seems to be one of them. 
Well, I suppose time will tell then as to whether anything anything comes of that. Hopefully it does, because I, I completely agree with you. Whilst he might not necessarily be the most desirable candidate at this point, beggars can't be choosers, so perhaps we should look to uh, to seeing what happens and maybe comment on it after the fact. If everything comes to pass and the bills get paid, then yeah, I, I totally agree. Then why, why shouldn't the uh, the guy come in free of any sort of encumbrance? Okie dokie, so that does that does it for Friday, Monday to Friday's political shenanigans. Let's move on to the interesting side of things, the football Simon, sorry for keeping you in the in the background a little bit there, mate. We we're just talking all kinds of usual nonsense about courtrooms and buyers and all this sort of thing. You very kindly attended the game uh, and reported back for us on on Saturday. So perhaps you could just start at the start for us, mate, and just give us your 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 sort of reminiscences and your your come down of the match. Yeah, well, it's like a former charity, I guess, isn't it? Attending these days, <laughs> but uh, well, I had a friend visiting me who uh, who offered me a free lift to the game. So basically, the, the fact that I didn't have to pay a train for as well as the match fair is the main reason I was there. Um, Fair enough. You know, I remember walking in and, and not, I've never really seen a sort of concourse and away game that empty and that subdued. You know, there was maybe only three or four people singing <clears throat> anything before the game and those that were were sort of being looked at strangely by everybody else, you know. Um, and the amount of away fans, I'm not sure exactly what the number was, but it seemed a lot emptier than uh, the, the amount we took to Pride Park last year. Um, but basically, the game was pretty much what I expected and what I think everybody expected and um, sort of everybody was pretty awful um, the, the, the main reason that my sort of match report and the sort of ratings weren't lower than they were is simply because it's what I was expecting you know if, if I turned up thinking we were a good side and we were beat 4-0 then I would be obviously very harsh on everybody because I would feel like yeah. they'd done well below par but as it is we were just, you know, sometimes there was a lack of effort, but more than often than not, it was simply a case of the fact that our players are not good, you know. Um, yeah, which harks back to what Mark said earlier on. Yeah, so it's a very, very depressing fact. And like I said, you know, I was a bit, I'm always sort of very dismayed before the game when I see someone like Donaldson on the team sheet. But then when I think if the alternative is McGinnis, who also hasn't scored in a long time, it, it, you know, on paper, it's not really any better. Um, so there's not really much to, to cling to cling to. You know, the first no. 20 minutes or so looked kind of promising in that we had a bit more of the ball and we looked like we wanted to move forward. But as I said, and as everybody knows, as soon as we got the chance of scoring two against anybody, are very, very, very slim. So you know, one goal tends to, tends to deflate everybody. And then the second, it was just a killer. And the, the second half especially really was a non-event from a Bolton point of view. In other words, nothing that really went on. We just sort of sat back and let Derby have the ball and it really did look like they just decided when they wanted to knock their third and fourth goals in. Yeah, they danced around our defence pretty easily, didn't they? So just to go through the starting line, well, Remy Matthews kept his place in goal. Mm. Connolly, bizarrely, was put at right back with alongside Wheater, Beavers and Taylor. Their midfield comprised of O'Neill, Buckley, Connell, Williams and Amiobi with Donaldson ploughing a pretty thankless lone furrow up top. Uh, having watched the game from the comfort of my living room via the, the magic of the dodgy box, I, there was a, any number of, of performances that I thought were, were were poor. But then on, on reflection, I think you're completely right in what you say. Then why, why should we really expect anything else? You know, the players of a, that kind of season. Uh, and we're playing yeah. a, a very, very good team and you know an energetic and quick team. And that's quite the opposite of what we seem to be at this minute in time. Uh, I'm curious, Simon, just to stick with yourself for the time being. What were your thoughts about the midfield? I thought Connell looked bright, for, you know, for the most part. I mean, granted, he, 
he, he was up against some really experienced uh, operators in Johnson and his fellow Derby midfielders. But I thought Connell was, was again head and shoulders above the likes of Williams, O'Neill, Amiobi and Buckley, both in terms of what he did with the ball and his efforts in trying to win the ball back when we lost it. Um, yeah, so I've got to pretty much agree with you there. You know, Connell was, um, you know, especially in the first half when we had more of the ball, he was he was bright and he and he always looked forwards. Um, Williams, I didn't think was too bad either. I think he kept the ball as well as he could a lot of the time, but with not a lot, the problem is with, with Amiobi and Buckley on the wings and Donaldson by himself, there wasn't really a lot of intent ahead of him. So I feel like a lot of the time, I feel like if you want to pass the ball forwards and you look and you see those kinds of people in front, that can also almost be discouraging. Um, mm. Gary, Gary O'Neill in, in particular, I, I remember, I don't know if I'm being unfair because I just happened to notice it this one time, but it was the build-up to the second goal where I noticed him pretty much stood still instead of you know deciding to go after I think it was Mason Mount or somebody else who'd just given him the ball and obviously the result was that he had all the time in the world to play a one-two to you know to finish off the second goal and I just remember feeling like the, the movement like I said of the Derby midfield felt like they outnumbered our midfield even though there was the same number of players so yeah it was yeah. really difficult for them to get a for them to get a grip on it especially someone like O'Neill you know maybe in his advanced years and not been able to move as well as obviously people like Mason Mount. You know, if you look at the midfield that Derby had, they, they had three very young, energetic midfielders, and then they had two slightly, you know, more physical men in behind them in Bryson and Johnson. So I think that really was the difference. Yeah, and I guess Parkinson would have gone into the game hoping that Connell and Williams could maybe match that kind of energy. Uh, Will, uh, to come to you on this next yes. particular one, Buckley and Amiobi played wide, and they were the only two players who were, who were sub during the game. I mean, granted, Noon had a shocker at wing-back midweek, but how did you feel when you saw the lineup with Buckley and Amiobi in there? Because it certainly didn't fill me with any confidence going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the minute, there's not much variation in terms of how much we can rotate the squad and, and, and who we can swap in for who. Uh, and and it, it doesn't come as a massive surprise, you know, when the, when the two are rotated between Noon, Buckley, Amiobi, Noon, and, and, and vice versa. Um, and and it, it's just... It, it, it's not particularly optimistic when you when, when you see either of them particularly or or, or any pairing necessarily. Um, and I, I still have a have a particular um, you know uh, preference towards the the Amiobi and, and Noon pairing. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Will Buckley to say it the least. But um, it, it, it it's just it's neither here or there with with that. And I think just going into Derby in general and sort of knowing what to expect. Having seen the score line the previous, however many times you know it, seasons, um, spreading back to 2015, 2016, it's been four, four, one, four nil, pretty much every time since. Um, and mm. I think it's just a lost cause at that point, and the lineup didn't really, to me, uh, make any difference. And and despite each of their, I'm sure, valuable contributions, um, I don't think it it, it was likely to affect the score line particularly. No, fair enough. Uh, Mark, I found your comments on your uh, play review, uh, play ratings, I beg your pardon, quite interesting in terms of Buckley. He certainly seems to be struggling massively at this minute in time. Uh, were you surprised to see him start? Do you think that Noon might have might have played given he he was uh, he could have been restored to his normal position on the wing rather than wing back? Yeah, I think there's possibly a, a, a physical reason there. He just looked knackered, apparently, um, Noon. OK. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting that the changes he did make because he's made he's picked a team according to what he felt were players whose, whose heads were in the game 
um, you know, as well as well as a physical thing, a, a mental thing as well. Now, Olkowski was was a very interesting one there that he 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 dropped out of the team. Um, amazed that Little didn't go in in place of him, uh, to be honest. But that's by the by. Um, and you know, you just look at McGinnis being dropped for for Donaldson um, and wonder how much the situations affected him. Um, and if I had to pick any player that I thought had been absolutely affected by what's been going on, I would have picked Sami Amiobi. So it, 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 he looks to have been playing, you know, well in well within himself this season. But I think you know, you, you can almost see the the, the the pressure weighing on his shoulders. Um, so it was a surprise to me to see him start. Uh, if, if you know the the, the 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 situation was being taken into account, um, and also the. Josh Vella, I'm sure we've, con- we've, uh, we've conversed on him so many times on whether he should or shouldn't be in the team. But for me, you know, in, in this sort of situation, I'd have him in the team most days of the week. He's uh, he's going to dig in. He's going to he's going to run, and he's the kind of player I think they missed a little bit against Derby just to have that, that engine really and, and and keep things ticking along. Because I agree with with Simon saying there about Gary O'Neill look like. He looked like he'd play three games in a week, and I don't think you can do it that that age. Yeah, and I think maybe it's unfair to to, to go too hard on O'Neill because I think out of the midfield lot, I, I would have him as being one of the better performers over the course of the season. But Mark, just to ask you a further question, um, I, I was wondering whether there'd be an, maybe a bit of an initiative from Parkinson going forward now, given that our position is largely confirmed, just to to avoid giving the Everton guys any more time. And I don't mean that harshly in terms of Williams and Connolly. I mean more in terms of planning for next season um, because it was nice to see Pritchard back on the bench. He'd been absent for a few weeks. I'm not sure if he was injured or not, but I wondered whether he might have found himself in the team. Um, granted, Parkinson may not think that Pritchard is the man to, to be in the centre midfield next season, but given the way things are going, if things like transfer window embargoes are put into place, he might not have too much choice. Um, do you think that was to, to maybe to, to save Pritchard from being in the centre midfield and a game that we're always likely to get a bit of a hump in it? Uh, yeah, possibly. I, I, I spoke to him about that after the game, really, and said, you know, do you, do you think you're going to need to shuffle things around and have a good look at players now? But the, the honest answer, Chris, honestly, is, is, is Parkinson knows he's going to be there next season. In fact, you know, mm. I think if you were to ask him privately, I'm sure he'd say probably not. I think everybody expects there to be a, a wholesale change now in the summer. Um, regardless of what happens with the club, obviously, if, if the worst would happen, there's going to be a change whether anybody likes it or not. But um, if a new owner comes in, I can only see him wanting to to take that, you know, clean sweep and, and, and change as many players and just get rid of the the vestiges of this season as as, as best as humanly possible. And there's there's only you know sort of nine players contracted for next season and. You'd probably say a couple of those would would not want to be playing League One football. Um, mm. So I could see there being huge changes, and I do think that applies to, to the manager. And, and you know, I'm sure people know I, I, I'm very supportive of Phil Parkinson. I've got a, a lot of time for the man, and I think he's done a good job in very very difficult circumstances. But I think he needs it. I think he needs a change of scenery. And uh, you know, I just think this this whole situation needs to needs to come to a head and get sorted. Yeah, you'd find no arguments from me on that on that front. I think it is certainly time in in a lot of players' situations for for a parting of the ways. Um, just to, to stick on on Vela for the time being, it's interesting that you mentioned him before. Yeah, granted, his his absence has been noted very much in the last couple of weeks, more so than prior. He's not not played since the 16th of Feb, I believe, against Norwich. 
Um, a few conspiracy theories are flying around, Mark. I wonder if you could shed any light on whether it is a, just simply a tactical choice by Parky, or some people suggest it's something to do with his contract, that maybe he's due a, a payment or a renewal, should he make another appearance, or you know, is there is there another ex, another explanation lurking in the background that we don't know about, perhaps? No contractual thing, uh, not no appearances, um, he's not injured, uh, um, certainly not to my knowledge anyway. Um, it's it simply, you know, rightly or wrongly, he's, you know, Phil Parkinson feels that he's got other options that are mm. ahead of Josh at the minute, you know, and including Pritchard there on, on the bench. I think he, he's even looking at Pritchard as, you know, half a half a pace in front of Josh at the minute. I know Josh, not only for many, many years, and I'm damn sure that he's not very impressed with that. Um, so whether or not that's bleeding into his training or whether or not, you know, he's, he's got that kind of look about him that he, he, he's not very happy. He obviously knows he's out of contract in the summer, so there's, there's that as well. Um, but, you know, I, I go back to what I said, I would have him in my team simply because he's he's the kind of player in this sort of situation that would dig in and, 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 and possibly get a little bit more out of the crowd as well. But um, it's a difficult situation. Mm, it certainly is. Simon, so sticking on that same topic, do you think, given what you've said before about the the lack of energy, I guess, um, in terms of O'Neill, could have been countered by bringing on someone like Vela at half-time or, or early in the second half to perhaps bring some legs to the team? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one because I do agree he's got a lot of energy and I've always noticed that about him, but he does also sometimes have a tendency to run a lot but still not manage to achieve enough, you know. And, I, and I, I, you know, I like the guy. I don't want to be too harsh on him again, but I remember... Um, when people were calling him to come back into the team and then I went to the, the cup game against Walsall who are obviously a League One side and he really wasn't up to it you know on that day uh, to put it mildly so I'm, I was going to say I've got to try and judge the manager's best judgement but obviously that isn't going too well either but um, yeah I agree that he would, he would give more of a fight probably at the minute and get some energy and also agree that he would get more out of the crowd because one thing about going to games at the minute is there is like a massive disconnect between the fans and the and the players. Yeah, that's undeniable, isn't it? The, the gallows humour in display on the East Stand on Tuesday night against Middlesbrough was the only thing that kept me there, to be honest. <laughs> it ended up being a, a bit of a ridiculous situation. Will, I'll, I'll throw the same question to you then. Where do you stand on the Vela, Vela situation? Do you think he deserves to come back in for the last few games or do you think his time's up? Yeah, I mean, we've had lengthy discussions on him, haven't we? And the the various scenarios that, that we could see at the end of the season. Obviously, we've spoken about whether or not he'd be useful in League One, whether or not that's his level. Um, had we survived, would we have kept hold of him? Obviously, that's not really an, you know, an, an option now, um, or a possibility, rather. And uh, it, it's difficult to just see beyond the current scenario, which is that, obviously, Vela isn't being picked. He's not, he's not getting even a sniff at the team. Um, the potential that we saw of him in, in League One and, and the previous seasons in the Championship still uh, suggested that the that he, he could be some player, and unfortunately, I just, I just can't help but think he's not quite stepped up to the mark, or he's not quite become that player that we thought he, mm. he was going to be. Uh, whether or not we would see, you know, a, another spell of, of the Villa we saw in League One the last time round again this time, um, you, you know, only he could tell you that. So it's. <sighs> It's a hard one, really, because based on how things are now and the amount of midfield options we currently have, and all right, granted that they're not an, <laughs> much better given given current results, but I, I just don't see a reason why 
you know, anybody in any party would would, would be likely to, to keep him to stay mm. because I don't think Villa's particularly happy in the situation he's in. Uh, I'm sure Parky doesn't really see, regardless of his situation next season, I'm not sure he, he sees any any change in his team selections necessarily. Um, and I just don't think it would be a wise move for anyone, um, including the player himself, to, to, to stick around uh, based on the fact that it, it, no. it's, cur- it's currently just a case of wasted potential. And uh, it's it's something that we all know he could do or, or use much better elsewhere. Yeah, well, he's he's twenty five, isn't he? So I guess now's the time if he's going to make that break. It would perhaps be an emotional decision to keep him rather than anything else before you even start thinking about the finances. And I found it interesting to see a picture of him obviously out having a pint, enjoying his life, uh, not having the concerns of having to get up in the morning for football, and he making a couple of wry comments along those lines too. So perhaps he does appreciate that the. A part of the ways is inevitable. OK, um, so I think in terms of Derby, we'll, we'll, we'll call that a day yeah, in terms of our analysis of the game. I know there was a threat uh, and a deadline, I guess, imposed. Uh, Mark, I'll ask you about this for today in terms of this being a deadline for when the players could, could serve notice to, to see out the contracts and to leave the club due to non-payment. I mean, I, I think it, it, any player that did that would be crackers. Um, and I presume that's not happened today. Yeah, I, I don't think people have quite got the grasp of what it means. It's, you, you get the 14 days, but then the club has 14 days to pay you. You have to give your notice in, and then it's another 14 days. So anybody that does it, I agree with you. I mean, it would be quite some statement to, to put your notice in and that for, for that to come out um, and then for the club to be able to reset it by paying you. I think at the moment, the players have been told that, you know, provided, uh, you know, this TFA issue goes away, that there will be a payment next week, now that they'll apply for the court order and unfreeze the funds. So, really, it would it would be a little pointless, I think, somebody handing it over. Absolutely. Um, but, you, I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm not saying that somebody isn't going to take a stand on it. And, and you know, I, I, certainly nobody has. But I would, I would be looking at people like Olkowski or somebody like that, that that is clearly not happy that he's brought his family over and, and had all these problems. Um, you know, he may well look to, to, to cause an issue with that, but I certainly haven't heard it so far. OK, and I'd be surprised to hear it, I guess, given the stage we are in the season, the, the lack of ability from other clubs to actually sign these players. There's all sorts of reasons why I guess that's not, not a, likely, a likely thing to happen. Okie dokie, so uh, are you expecting, Mark, any further updates on developments this week, or are we just going to, a case of just sitting back and seeing? I think that I, I'm... I've been here before, but I, I'm quietly confident we'll hear a little bit this week. Uh, Good. I just, I just think we're getting to that stage now where if there are other parties interested that we might well hear a bit more about them. Um, Sean Harvey said today that, uh, that as well as Mr Bassini still sniffing around and trying to get his uh, affairs in order, that, that there are other interested parties that have... Uh, have been in contact with the league so you know there's been a different consortium every week that's supposedly been being sort of constructed behind the scenes with a view to uh, to saving the club um, maybe one of them has finally stuck one of them has finally got together and you know my my kind of theory is that uh, that it will involve one or more of the the stakeholders, or Michael James, or Brett Warburton, or, or something along mm-hmm. those lines, because they're the guys that have got most at stake. Of course, Wednesday you've got the hotel in court could get wound up. Um, that's where Michael James's money 
is secured against on, on the, the conference and stuff and the, the hotel. So something's got to give this week. I think we're going we're gonna to see some type of definitive move from somebody. Uh, fingers crossed. Simon, what would be your preferred outcome um, in, in terms of all this? Do you have a particular horse in this race or are you, are you just, like we said earlier on, just hoping to, uh, to get something resolved for the benefit of the club going forward? I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think I just want something resolved. Obviously, like it's, I personally uh, only only managed to come to my first ever Bolton game in about I think it was 2014. It's you know so that on the time frame it feels like ever since I've I've been following them. You know every day is you know a, a financial news story rather than football in one. Yeah. Um, like I think like I think Mark said earlier. Any you know whatever Bassini's past or anybody else that takes over their past. You know, if they, if they come in and they start paying bills on time, I think that'll win them a lot of favour with fans who've had to deal with a lot of stuff over the last couple of years. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. OK, brilliant. So going forward, we've got Aston Villa on Friday and, and then Blackburn to follow straight after that. So we all know now, by now, that with the results being as they are, a defeat at home to Villa will, will lead us to be dropping back down through that trapdoor back into League One. Will... Um, can we really get anything from this game? I think it's a case to just get it out of the way, get the uh, get get the plaster ripped off, and just start to look forward to next year. Yeah, I think that that whole deadline's gone now. In terms of having any hope of surviving now, and you've just got to look forward to to the sort of <laughs> not not fun spells that we had in League One last time. But I, th- I think it's just the the entertainment element of it, which which we've obviously lacked uh, the, this last season. Um, and and having a bit of joy back back, uh, hopefully beating some some pretty mediocre teams again. You know, and that, there was some really positive points in League One, obviously, and and it was topped off with the promotion on, on the last day. Uh, and, I, and I'm hoping that we can obviously do that again first time round. But I'm not saying it, it, it it's an easy prospect uh, by any means. And I, I I think you know we'll have to work for it. Certainly, there's a couple of good teams who are who are really pushing for for playoffs and 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 promote automatics. This season, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, I, th- I think we'll have a hand in to 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 jump straight back up again. Um, so, so you know, it's it's all a challenge, but I'm hoping it's one that we can relish and, and just you know move on and and get to grips with. Well, fingers crossed we can. I mean, it's a lot. It's an often overlooked uh, part of being in League One. I recall from last time round that yeah, great. There was, you know, there was a few high points, most definitely, but there's a hell of a lot of shit to wade through at the same time. So we'll see, and hopefully we can have uh, we can have less of the latter and more of the former. But I guess time will tell. Okay, so Will, would you mind uh, going through the social media um, questions? We've got some for Mark and, and some for for everyone else in general. Yeah, of course we'll do, yeah. So we basically asked for, uh, well, the first question was, who is joining us and it's switching League One? Uh, the second one was, what game are you most looking forward to next season? Uh, at this moment in time, what are Wanderers' aims for next season? And who would you keep for League One? Uh, so, gents, your opinions first on, on each of those, if, if you don't mind. Go to, to Mark first. Um, who, who do you think will be joining us and with Ipswich in League One? Who will be joining us uh, with Ipswich in League One? Um, I think Rotherham. I think Rotherham. Um, yeah, they seem to have been struggling, haven't they? I mean, I, I would love to say Wigan, but I just... Uh, <laughs> I, I, in fact, I'm going to say Wigan just to... Just piss off the Wigan fans, to be honest. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's what we want. We may as well have Wigan and Berry in the same league next season. Um, Definitely. Just give, make it a, a little bit more of a laugh because it's uh, there's going to be precious little else to laugh about down there. Give us a few derbies. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, uh, what game would you be most looking forward to next season? Uh, next season? Um, well, if Colchester United come up, um, I know it's a bit of a long shot now because they've got mm. off the pace a bit in League 2, but if Colchester United come up, that would be the game because that would mean I've been to all 92 clubs and worked. Uh, mm. So that would be it. I can quit and get a decent job after um, I go to Colchester United. <laughs> be another one ticking off the list. Um, and then at this moment in time, what do you think Wanderers aims for uh, are for next season? Uh, well, I mean, the, <laughs> the, to exist, I suppose, <laughs> the first one. Um, yeah. I, I think anybody that comes in, whether it's Lawrence Bassini, whether it's anybody, has got a, just a, a gigantic PR job on their hands because, you know, you've got to fix a workforce that is on its knees, no question. Those, the fellas and the lasses that are in that building need sorting first, I think, before they start doing the charm offensive for the fans or the media or the players, I think that, that needs fixing first. Uh, then you've got to get season tickets absolutely spot on because people do not want to come and watch Bolton Wanderers or not enough people want to come and watch Bolton Wanderers, particularly in League One. So that has got to be a really big decision. Mm-hmm. Then it's a case of making sure you've got a manager and a group of players that they actually do want to come and watch and style of football that they want to come and watch. Mm-hmm. So it's a massive, massive rebuilding job. Um, and you know, it, it, I, I don't think it'll be the same as last time where we dropped in and everything was like, you know, it's a bit of a nice retro feel to it. <laughs> um, you know, we had a strong squad that was, you know, thirteen million pound budget, wage budget, and and all that kind of thing. It would be very different, I think. Um, and there are some big clubs down there. Um, you know, Sunderland's, Portsmouth's. Uh, you know people like Charlton and Peterborough and, and, and you know, decent decent clubs down there that are going to be mm. going looking to go straight up again. So uh, it's, it's not going to be a gimme by any stretch of imagination. No, I'm sure. And out of those who, who will be participating against those, who, who would those, of the current squad would you keep? Um, well, I think they're all right for keepers, aren't they? Provided um, both of them want to stay with the club, uh, I think that's a good start. Um, you know, this, there, are, there are nine contracted players. I think Pavel Kovsky, I'd be very surprised if he wanted to play in League One. Um, I'd be pleasantly surprised if he wanted to play in League One. Um, Ostrima obviously knows the course um, and, and I would like to see you know a team that has him in it. Uh, so it would be nice to see a bit more of him down there. You've got people like McGuinness who, again, I think he could do a good job in League, League One. He's more of a League One style striker. Um, there's not too many others that are kind of under contract. I think Luke Murphy's another one that's under contract. Um, be interesting to see a bit more of him. He's had a, a few injury problems that maybe he would have been more um, involved recently if, if that was the case. Mm. But um, I, I think, as I said before, it's going to be a clean sweep. I think there's going to be a lot of changes. No, I'm sure. I think everyone can can pretty much back that. Um, Chris, same question, I suppose, to you. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything Mark said, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm quite happy just to echo all those. I think it's time for a huge part of the ways. Uh, I've made my feelings fairly clear and in the past about how we oftentimes are far too sentimental when it comes to yeah. keeping players who are past the best. And I think a couple of the people in that squad who are coming out of contract this year perhaps should have been let go sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be the most fundamental changes that I would make. And I would love to see an injection of pace in the team. Um pace and attacking invention. It's been a long time since we saw Mark Davies cutting his way through defences with his his forward Hmm. motion and the runs that he could make. So I'd love to see a return to that kind of... 
adventurous style. Um, don't really care who the manager is. Don't really care who the players are that do it. Just that we adopt maybe a more expansive thing and just try and win a few games. Yeah. Um, I was cal- I worked it out the, the other day uh, as a result of being on holiday for the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, in terms of home games, I think I've seen us win twice this season, which in return for a, a four hundred pound season ticket and probably about <laughs> two dozen goals is not really uh, not really a great return, is it? Are you going on holiday, Chris, and and and, and sodding us all off? You should have mentioned it. Um, damn right, I am. God damn right. <laughs> I'll mention it again in a couple of minutes, if you like. <laughs> I know you don't go to many away games, Chris, but are there any in particular that you'd look forward to, even home ones? Uh, well, yeah, well, um, I grew up in Bury, so if they were to get promoted, it's always a good, always good fun when we play the guys there, and I get to uh, get to go back to my old stomping ground and, and catch up with a few mates and have a mm-hmm. have a couple of beers and then go and watch the game. So primarily that one, um, you know, it just depends who who stays and who goes in that league. Sunderland's always been a favourite away day of mine. Um, so we'll see whether they get to they get to stay in there or not. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment let's let's run before we can walk and just yeah. have a have a club that we can back going into League One next season before we start wondering about being a big fish in the small pond again like like maybe we were last time. Yeah, definitely, I'd echo with that as well. Uh, and lastly, to, to you, Simon, what what would be your your uh, four picks for these the uh, the team joining us? The, uh, the game you're most looking forward to. Uh, the aim for next season and who would you keep? Um, so I think probably I'd say the same either either Rotherham or Wigan to join us. I, f- I feel like Reading, especially after yesterday, winning again, drawing with Norwich in midweek. But they've probably shown that they've got enough fight. Uh, Rotherham and Wigan both look like they have a bit of fight in them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think I think I think especially Rotherham, seen as I'm just going to go with them simply because they're currently in that spot. Um, as for sort of my favourite, uh, my game I'd most look forward to next season, there's a few. I'd go with sort of fairly local ones such as uh, Fleetwood or Rochdale. Um, also potentially Blackpool. Um, yeah. And as well, if they're still if they're still in League One, obviously next season, then I'd quite like to go back to Barnsley and get a result after um, yeah. after you know what happened near the end of last season when McBurney sort of scored that last minute goal and just as when we thought we were edging towards safety. Mm. I'd like to go back there and rectify that. Um, right away, as, as for the, the sort of aims for next season, um, obviously a big rebuilding job on the pitch, off the pitch. Um, my main thing would be, you know, changing the style of playing, getting not only a team that we're proud of and that we're connected with, but also getting a team that um, would be good enough to do the job mm. should we come back to the championship. Because personally, I think I'd rather... If, if we had to consolidate next season, you know, obviously the, you know, the ideal scenario is that we come back up. But sure. I feel like last time we came back up too soon, almost because, you know, the, the fact is we finished only second, only behind Sheffield United. But they, at the end of the day, were miles ahead of us as a team, and it really shown as we've come back up how they've progressed compared to us. Yeah. So if we, you know, took two seasons to get up rather than one by building a, a slightly better side. That would be sort of almost fine by me in the long run. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as, for, as for who I would keep, same again. Players like McGuinness or Ostermer, you know, have experience at that league. Um, I would hope someone like Little would stay on, although him him staying on might depend on, I don't know, if, if, if Parkinson's still in the job based on how he's been treated this season. I'm not sure. Um, and then, yes, we need to sign a lot of sort of youth and creativity. I, I'd love to see Luke O'Connell still at our club next season but 
obviously with his contract situation or lack of contract, you know, nobody can really know what's going to happen with that one. Yeah, no, of course, I can appreciate and echo pretty much all of those as well. There's really good shouts there. And to finish off with, with, with those, uh, I'll just say Wigan for the sake of, um, yeah, just being annoying. Um, and then a game looking forward to, probably Accrington. Um, that'll be a laugh. Obviously, we were joking about that last time round. Narrowly avoided that, but uh, I think that that will definitely be on the cards next year. That's a that's a certainty in my calendar. Um, possibly Lincoln as well if they come up as well. I think that that will be a, a good one to to go over to. And uh, the aim for next season, obviously, I think we'd li- we'd like to to think that we'd be aiming for it for automatics again. And I think you know, like Simon said, I don't think it'd do us any harm if we were to to last another another season in there. But obviously, the, the longer you stay in there, the harder it goes to to get out of. So I wouldn't leave it too long if we can help it. But uh, obviously, okay. yeah, aim for aim for promote it for, for the uh, the playoffs at worst. I think. Um, and then who would you keep for League One? Like I said, I think all I don't doubt that a lot of the squad that are still in contract would would have an impact uh, to say at the very least more so than they have done this season. Um, I don't doubt their capabilities of performing at a League One level either. Uh, particularly, it'd just be so exciting, I think, to have the likes of Luke Connell in there, should he should he say. Um, obviously, I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. But I, I think it's it's half something that we would relish, but at the same time, it's obviously not the best of states uh, that, a club, <laughs> that the club's obviously been in. There's been worse, but there's been better. But, um, you know, League, League One's a laugh at the end of the day, isn't it? So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy to go with those. We've had a couple of shouts on Twitter for for Wigan, Rotherham, Wigan, Rotherham. <laughs> um, yeah, it's between those, and then the ones between. So we've had uh, Lincoln, ones we've not mentioned, Wickham Wanderers, um, Ipswich, obviously, <laughs> um, Accrington, uh, Lincoln again, Blackpool, obviously some some very local ones, some further afield, Bristol Rose and Plymouth. Uh, another one, Fleetwood. Another Fleetwood. Uh, Accrington, Berry, Wimbledon. Wimbledon would be a good one. I think I went there last time. That that was a good crack. South End, Charlton, Lincoln again, Wigan. Yeah, it, it's all pretty much the same. You get the gist of it. And I think the in terms of the the players that we keep, I think everyone's just up for for keeping the the ones who've been the best of a bad bunch this season. Really like the likes of Ray Matthews, uh, obviously Luke Connell. Uh, and then I think there was an argument which we had a little bit in the chat earlier, wasn't it, Chance? That um, the the argument for for Weeter and Beavers staying. I don't know if anyone has a, has any particular um, strong opinions on on that case, Mark. I'm not sure if if what your opinions were on that. I mean, I, I would I would keep David Weeter uh, in for, for for many reasons. I, I think he's he's probably Bolton's best defender, and I, I think he's still got plenty to give. Certainly. Certainly at that level. Um, Mark Beavers is slightly different, I think. Um, I would be a little surprised if he agreed to stay on in League One as he's out of contract. It, he's as of an age now where he's probably at a, you know, his last big move, if you will. If, he, if he's a free agent, I can imagine him being able to get better money elsewhere and certainly a more secure pay packet elsewhere. So um, much as I would like to see those two being the, the first choice centre out next season because it would be a good little anchor to to have. I do mm. think Beavers would be more likely to go than than Weeks. Yeah, Chris, I know you your opinions might differ there slightly. 
Uh, only in respect of, of the time that the Wheatle has, has <clears throat> remained at the club. I don't disagree with Matt that he's our best defender. Um, I just worry about his legs and the, the amount of pace he's got, what little pace he's got going forward in League One. It's it's not the, the, the clogging division from what I've seen so far this year. It's, it's far more athletic and far more energetic than it perhaps was when we left it. So my only concern about Wheatle going forward is, is the pace. I'd quite happily keep him around if the wages were right in terms of being a squad player to add experience and to, to guide the younger lads because there's no doubt there that he can, he can add a lot. Beavers, I would not lose a minute's sleep if he was to leave. I, I think he's extremely limited. Mark very kindly described him earlier on as quite a straightforward defender. I would say even less than that, more basic. You know, it, it, Nothing annoys me more than to see him spending 15 minutes before every, every game practising headers and then immediately when the game starts, his headers just go everywhere. It's bizarre and it bugs the hell out of me. Why did he practice headers without being challenged? How many free headers do you get in a game? It's really irritating. So, yeah, get rid of Beavers and keep Weed if the money's right. Perfect. Simon? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the same. I'd, I'd be more inclined to keep Weed than Beavers. Having said that, um, they were both a bit of a, a bit of a goal threat in League One last time around. I know that'll be a few years ago by the time next season comes around. But another thing to, to bear in mind, I think, is um, obviously keeping around the squad players. Because even if we sign other, other people, you know, if, if we let both of them go, we're potentially in a position where we have to sign three or four centre-backs. And obviously, we're not quite sure yet whether we'll be in an embargo or not. And also, you know, the, the appeal of the club with everything that's gone on this season to potential new players, you know, might be less than you know brilliant so I, I would I would definitely keep Wheater Beavers I'm 50-50 on and you know whether or not they'd be first choice or squad players would obviously depend on who we sign if we manage to sign anyone yeah definitely I think there's obviously there's room for, for improvement in terms of the squad but I'm not sure whether we've got the resources to do so obviously we heard the rather comical story this week of, of the, the club scout not being able to, to afford to go to games and, <laughs> and look out for any players which is uh, yeah it, it just sums up the, the state of affairs at the minute doesn't it I think so uh, I'm hoping that, that we will be able to providing that we're not under some form of an embargo um, but yeah I I'm, in a way, I'm quite looking forward to League One, but I'm hoping that it that we won't be there for too long. But uh, yeah, I think everyone sort of shares the opinion in terms of the, the aim for next season. Uh, other than one that I'm just having a little bit of a chuckle at is staying up. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I think they're all pretty pretty similar generalised responses, which I think everyone can can share an opinion of. But uh, yeah, back to you, Chris. Absolutely, yeah, and and, and I wouldn't giggle too much at the staying up joke you know other teams have done it before they, they, it, it's very difficult I guess to, to get out of the sort of funk that we have uh, that we're in and so I'm hopeful that whatever developments happen in terms of the ownership of the club and the management of the club never mind the playing staff that we can we can avoid that fate because it's certainly not going to be a an easy season um, we'll, I guess time will tell so on that basis uh, I'm pretty confident we've covered more or less everything over the last the last seven days and and going forward, we'll we'll see exactly what what the following week brings. I think there's a few possibilities. Um, Aston Villa on on Friday being a, a real concern of mine. That with morale being so poor, things could really take a downward spiral. But let's remain moderately positive. Let's think what what could well be. We could have Pritchard starting with alongside Villa, chopping the ball up to Connor Hall, and all our worries could be well and truly put <laughs> in the past. But then again, that might not happen. 
Um, right, brilliant. So, uh, Simon and uh, Mark, thank you very much for your attendance tonight. Uh, Simon, where can people find you online to, uh, to to talk to you about your opinions on Wanderers and other things? Oh, well, people can follow me on Twitter if they if they so desire. Um, S I G G twenty one is my hand. Yeah, that's about it, really. Fantastic. Thanks so much for for coming on. I do appreciate your time. Uh, Mark, same question to you, mate. Uh, queuing up at Greg. Queuing up at Greg, or sat in the window of the office, uh, <laughs> where Neil Bonner used to be. Um, yeah, you're under a new rate. You're under a new regime now, aren't you? You're, you're free of the tyranny of Bonner at long last. Absolutely. Not before time as well. Not before time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it'd be, it'd be sad to see him go. Actually, I've got to be honest. But uh, no, uh, yeah, at Markels, isn't it? If you're not following me on Twitter and you're about one fan, something's bloody wrong, isn't it? I was going to say it's a silly question, that Chris. <laughs> I was just wondering how far Mark's ego press, and I just, <laughs> just found the extent of it now. So there you go. We've managed to accomplish something, if nothing else, today, lads. And Will, where can people find you, my friend? Yeah, they can find me everywhere, can't they, Chris? I'm Mr. Bolton now, apparently. Um, oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean so much so that you're even being you're even being doorstepped when it comes to getting out of your car and the club car parks. I know, oh, yeah, that, that was a, a rather strange affair. But uh, yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter at wi1lj. Uh, that's about it for me. I, I was just going to say very quickly when you when you're talking about Aston Villa, uh, as much as you're partial to, to hoping that we get a point out of it, I actually wouldn't be too bothered because otherwise we're getting relegated to Blackburn. And I'd rather that not happen if possible. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, well, it's, funny, it, it's funny you say that, Will. Uh, I mean, I'll be on holiday, so it'll be oh, on my forever. So there you go. <laughs> oh, I'd like myself in for that. Anyway. I'll think of you whilst I'm away. So brilliant. So in, in sure that case, will. I think we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. I recommend that everyone follows Line again at STE on Twitter. Drop us a review of the podcast on iTunes as well, if you don't mind. Only five stars, please, nothing less. And no doubt the team will be back over the course of the next week with some more high-quality Wanderers podcasts from Lightning again this week. And thank you again for listening. So, Will, would you mind doing the absolute tragic ending that you've done? <laughs> I, don't, I don't love it, Chris. It's just, I, I do it just to irritate you, really. Um, no, so, anyway, so it's that, <laughs> if there's nothing else left to say, then it's time to say goodbye. To so say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Mark. Goodbye. Goodbye, Simon. Goodbye. It's a goodbye from me, Set Lat V.